If you have your Bible with you today, I would ask you to open with me to Luke chapter 18, and we will begin in verse 15 in just a moment. Luke chapter 18 and verse 15. And our text today is going to be a very short one. It's only three verses long, and it records an incident where some parents bring their children to Jesus. And what's unique about this, um, about this account is it's something that's only recorded happening one time, and yet all three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record this event, and so it made an impact on it, made an impression. And even though it's not something that, that appears to have happened just a ton of times in Jesus' life, it has made an indelible mark in Christian, just Christian thought and Christian art. And if you go to any kind of uh, Christian bookstore, if you um, maybe get a, a Christian card or something like that, many times you will see pictures of Jesus surrounded by little children. And no doubt, uh, kids are just drawn to Jesus even today. Uh, many years after he has ascended back into heaven, children are drawn to Christ. And so what we're going to look at today, again, is, is this incident and, um, and, and what I'd like you to do, if, if you have found Luke 18 and are able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's Word. We'll pick up in verse 15 and read down to verse 17. It says, And they were bringing even their babies to him, so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Thank you. You may be seated. Now the first thing I want you to see in our text today is the bringing. The bringing. Looking at verse 15. And, And remember where we are in our text. Jesus has just confronted these people who were proud. They were self-righteous, they were, they were pompous, they looked down on other people, and they were very proud about their accomplishments. And they were what you call holier than thou. And Jesus tells a parable, you remember, about a, a publican, a tax collector, and a, a Pharisee, and they both go to the temple to pray. And his, his point would have been quite shocking that the tax collector went away justified, but this Pharisee did not. And so, so Jesus has just been teaching about humility. And our text today kind of serves as a bridge between last week's text and next week's text because last week we looked at the need for humility and, and next week we're going to look at a rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you remember the story, he does not enter the kingdom. And so we have this, this account here that serves as a bridge. It's kind of a link between these two passages. On one hand, we have the need for humility and the recognition that that we are not self-sufficient. And until we come to that point, we cannot enter the kingdom of God like the rich young ruler. Okay, so this is kind of a transition between those two two ideas, those two themes that we see in our text. But, But notice again what the text says in verse 15. It says, they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. Now, who is the they? Well, certainly it's not the self-righteous people. Jesus has just gotten through blasting. I mean, those, those people probably stomped away or, or, or hung their head in shame or, or something like that. These are the crowds. These are the parents that were surrounding Jesus. And remember, Jesus is still headed to Jerusalem. He is still surrounded by great crowds of people. And we don't see them in a lot of these interactions. But they are still around Jesus. They're hearing His teaching. They're seeing the, the, the miracles he's doing. They're seeing his life and his, his ministry. And they're bringing the children to him so that he would touch them. 
Now, only Luke mentions the fact that they were even bringing babies, infants to Jesus to touch them. Now, why were they doing that? Well, some of the parents probably saw Jesus laying his hands on the sick and they're being made well. They, They probably saw Jesus doing these different things and thought, well, if it's good for them... It can't hurt my baby to, to, to have this, this holy man, this rabbi, this, this man of God, put his hands on my baby. And so there's probably some of that. But, but Matthew and Mark flush this out a little bit more. Matthew records that, that they were bringing their children to Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And Mark adds the fact that when they brought them to Jesus, Jesus took them up in his arms and he blessed them. And you see, we get this picture of a, of a very tender man as he, as he interacted with these children. And so, so what does this teach us? Does this tell us anything about our lives? Well, I believe it does. Verse 15, these parents brought their kids to Jesus and that was a good thing. I believe it teaches us that, that parents, it's good to bring your kids to Jesus. Bring your kids to Jesus. Obviously, we can't do that in the same way that they did. We don't have Jesus here in the flesh like they did. And, and many of us, are, our, our kids are, are not in the home anymore. Our, our kids maybe have, have gone out of the house and they have kids of their own. But listen, we need, to make it a, we need to make Jesus a priority in our lives and in our homes so that we might lead our kids and our grandkids to the Lord. We need to bring them to Christ. Now, again, that's going to look different today than it did back then because we can't go to a certain location and say, Jesus, would you bless my child? Would you lay your hands on him or her and, and pray for, for this child? But, but what it means is that you make Jesus a priority in your own life and in your own home. That's going to look like things like regular church attendance. Like not just bringing your kids and, and saying, see ya, I'll, I'll be back at, at 1130 to pick you up. Depending on the age of your kids or maybe your grandkids, it may look like reading the Bible to them or with them or praying with them, discussing the things of God with them. In other words, you talk about the Lord and you do it often. And again, it's not just the kids, but also our grandkids, our nieces and our nephews. The the primary responsibility for this lies with the parents. But, But grandparents, aunts and uncles, you have an incredible influence on their lives. And you need to be intentional about wielding that influence. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6, God gave the nation of Israel a command, or a number of commands, that deal with right priorities in the home. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5-9, to 9, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall... Talk, to, talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, what he's saying is, our faith is not a Sunday only event. Our faith should be a seven day a week faith. It's not something that we just, we, we give lip service to God when we come into the church house and then we live some, some other way Monday through Saturday. It means that we talk about the Lord, we, we make much of Him, and we do it on a regular, consistent basis. Now, we're not going to do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly by any means. I'm surprised I didn't get some amens from my kids. But, but listen, you're not going to do it perfectly. But the, the goal is that you talk about the Lord. He shouldn't be a, 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 a stranger in your house. But notice, 
the command that Jesus, that the Lord gave in Deuteronomy 6, the command first was for the parents, the family members, to have their hearts in the right place themselves. And then an outflowing of that is their priorities get straightened out. His first command wasn't tell your, tell your kids about Jesus. His first command wasn't tell your kids about God. The first command was you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then out of that, you teach the kids. So parents, we need to bring our kids. Grandparents, we need to bring those kids to the Lord. So we see the bringing. Next, I want you to see the rebuking. The rebuking. Look at verse 15 again. The disciples saw this, and they began to rebuke the parents. Can you imagine? They rebuked the parents for bringing the kids to Jesus. In other words, they admonished them. They got after them. They said, now don't be bothering the master. Don't, Don't mess with the teacher. He's busy. He has things to do. And they probably did it out of good motives. No doubt they knew that he was on this journey to Jerusalem. He told them he was going to Jerusalem. He told them, even though they didn't understand it all, he told them he was going there to die. The Bible says that his face was set like a, a flint. And it, it, it was a, he, he, was, he had a hard face. He was headed to Jerusalem. And no doubt he was busy as he was interacting with people, as he was ministering to people. And they, know, they, they saw this and they probably said, you know what? Jesus is too busy to be bothered with the ankle biters. Jesus is too busy uh, trying to minister to have kids up under his feet. We need to keep the kids back. We need, to, we need to keep them away from the Lord. Said another way, they thought they needed to be the Jesus police. And they're, they're performing crowd control, trying to keep them away from the Lord. But instead of rebuking the parents when Jesus saw this, he didn't say, yeah, what they said. Instead, the Bible, the Bible says in one of the other Gospels, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, not with the parents, but with the disciples. He was displeased with them. He was upset with them. Listen, it is not your job and my job to decide who is important enough to get to Jesus. Our job is not to be the Jesus police. Our job is not to keep people away. Our job is to bring people in. Our job is to tell people about the Lord, to usher them to Jesus not drive them away. So we have the bringing. We have the rebuking. Finally, I want you to see the teaching. Verses 16 and 17. Jesus called called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So Jesus said, Leave them alone. Bring them here. Don't don't hinder them. Don't don't hold them back. Why? Verse 16. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to people who are like children. In fact, verse 17, Jesus says, if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a child, you're not getting in. So with that much on the line, if, 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 if being like a child determines whether or not you will go to heaven, we better figure out what that means. Because that, those are some pretty high stakes. First, what he's saying is we need to be childlike. And listen, that is not the same thing as childish. We should be childlike, not childish. Too many Christians today are childish instead of childlike. What's the difference? Well, to be childish means that we're immature. We act foolish. We throw tantrums. We stomp our foot. We take our toys and go play somewhere else. We, we, we get in a huff about things. Sometimes... 
sometimes Christians, and I can say this because I've been in church my entire life, and so I'm not I'm not picking on any group that I'm not been associated with. I mean, I've I've been in church, and I've seen it. So have you. Many many Christians act like that stereotypical churchgoer's response when something changes. They moved the pulpit. They did this. They did that. Like a, like a, a, a baby gets fussy whenever the formula changes. Sometimes Christians seem to think that fussiness is a spiritual gift. That's not a, spi- a sign of spiritual maturity. That is a sign of being childish. We need to be childlike, not childish. So it means we, it means we need to be humble and dependent and trusting. Have you noticed there's no hypocrisy? There's no pretension with children? Somebody said there are three things that never lie. A drunk, a small child, and leggings. Now listen, a small child will tell you exactly what they think. They will tell you the truth. Well, sometimes they'll tell you the truth. If it's asked about cookies or something like that, they'll tell you the truth. But they will tell you what they think. And sometimes I kind of wish that they didn't. My kids are notorious for mistaking my identity. And I put this on Facebook because it always gives me a kick whenever I, I, I read it. You know, pops up a year later or two years. And my kids are terrible about it. I've been mistaken for so many people. Frank Fritz, you know, from, from American Pickers, the guy with the beard. I can see that one. I've been mistaken. My kids, and, and what I mean by that is my kids when they were younger would, would see somebody on TV, would see a picture, and they'd say, Dada or Daddy. But I've been mistaken for Frank Fritz, which I, I can see. I've, I've been mistaken for uh, Willie Nelson, um, Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> now, did y'all just stop. Now, I've been mistaken for um, the, the sorcerer out of Fantasia, you know, the guy that's bald, has a beard, and frowns all the time. I've been mistaken for him. Um, oh, let's see. I've, I, um, one of them was not a picture, but rather it was a a character that came in a Happy Meal. Back when the, the movie Sing was, was big, there's a, a character on there that's a pig. And, and, the, and the character in the Happy Meal was of this fat pig wearing a gold jumpsuit, and he would always say, Piggy Power! And James, I think it was one of the boys, I think it was James, saw it and went, Dada! You know, sometimes I wish that they would just keep it to themselves. But there's no, there's no pretension. And wouldn't it be nice if, if, if we as adults, hopefully we have more social skills than to say it, but, but it would be nice if, if you didn't have to wonder sometimes, right? You, you talk to somebody and you, you just don't know if, if they're being straight up with you. Kids recognize that they're, they're, they are dependent. There are certain things they can't do. Maybe you've had a stranger, a, a kid come up to you as a stranger and ask you to tie their shoe. Why? Because they realize there are certain things they are incapable of, and they search out help for, from somebody they believe can help them. And see, that's kind of what Jesus is getting at here. We need to recognize there are certain things we can't do. We can't save ourselves, for instance. Of our own power, we can't make ourselves right with God. In and of ourselves, if it, if, if it were left up to us, apart from a work of God in our hearts... We don't even want to be right with God because we're in, in opposition to Him. We don't care about Him. We're, we're in rebellion against Him. Well, once we realize that we can't do it on our own, then we diligently search for somebody that can help us. 
And that's the whole point of the gospel. God has sent somebody that can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And then just like a child, we will trust that one to do so. The only one who can make you right with God is not you, and it's not me. The only person that can make you right with God is Jesus. And you need to search Him out. You need to trust Him to do that. You need to trust Him to save you. And Jesus said, until you come to that point, you won't get to the kingdom of God. And again, we see that in the very next text that we'll look at next week with the rich young ruler. Another way the kingdom belongs to such as these is then that culture, the children ranked, they were low on the totem pole, so to speak. The men were at the top, then the women, and then children were on the bottom rung. They didn't have a bunch of rights. They didn't have a bunch of privileges. They were at the bottom. They were nobodies in society. And Jesus is saying, that's who the kingdom's for. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're, if you're high and mighty, if you have all kinds of power and wealth and all these different things, the kingdom's for you too. You can get in. But the kingdom is for the average person. You don't have to have a bunch of letters after your name to have a, a place in the kingdom. You don't have to have your name up in lights to be in the kingdom. It's, it's for the person who's not well-known. It's for the person who's not well-bred. It's for the person who's not well-educated. And maybe that describes you. Maybe, as a Christian, you need to pause and say, you know what? Thank you, God, that you'll take even a loser like me. Thank you that you'll take somebody who... Who, who, who doesn't have a bunch of skills and abilities. You don't have resources. You don't have all these different things. But God has graciously bestowed the kingdom upon people like you and like me. Jesus said, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom belongs to such as these. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you, bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I, I want to encourage you. If you are not a Christian, if you're not a believer, become like a child. Again, not, not to become petty, petulant, throwing tantrums. Immaturity is not a sign of spiritual prowess. Being fussy is not a sign of spiritual maturity. We need to be childlike. Even as a Christian, we need to be childlike. We need to be dependent upon the Lord. We need to turn to Him, looking to Him, recognizing how much we need the Lord, how much we need His help. Christian, you can't do it on your own. You need His help on a daily basis. You need His help for wisdom as you navigate life, raise your children, your grandchildren, work, all the things. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that You'd help us to be intentional in our walk with You. 
help us as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and and whatever position we find ourselves in. Help us to be intentional in the way that we wield our influence on those around us, especially those who look up to us. And Lord, if there's somebody who's never come to that point that that they recognize their need of you and, and depend on you to save them, let them become your child today. God, if, if there's a, a Christian here who, like a child, knows that they need some help, God, I pray that you would bestow the help that they need, that you come alongside them, that you grant them wisdom, that you'd answer their prayers. Thank you that you're a good heavenly father and that we are your little children. In Jesus' name, amen.